We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Kicks for Pace, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Hosted by Alex Blevin and Andrew Freeman on Overtime Media. Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by The Bear Report. My name is Andrew Freeman, and I'm happy to be joined by Usaid Koshal, writer for The Bear Report. Usaid, how are you doing today? Doing well, man. Um, a couple days after the Bears thumping in Green Bay, but yeah, looking forward to being on here talking something that's not was football related, but it's not NFL related, but it kind of is NFL related because we're discussing like college football on here from a Bears angle and how it ties into the NFL draft. So yeah. Covering basically every football angle on here, essentially. Yeah, talking about the Bears and watching the Bears, everything related to the Bears right now is uh, not fun. Uh, it's just been a huge downward spiral for this team over the past month or so of the season. Um, that's just a good way to kind of transition to uh, what happened this past weekend. Uh, we're, we're recording this episode on Wednesday, December 2nd, following that absolute uh, shellacking <laughs> is the best way to put it, I guess, that the Bears received on Sunday night against the Green Bay Packers. They lost 41-25. to 25. Uh, it, it was just awful from the very beginning. The Bears, they never really had a chance in this one. The defense, they just – they looked like they gave up in this game. The offense was, of course, terrible as usual. They were able to move the ball a bit better in this game, I felt like, especially in the first half. But uh, some key mistakes by Mitchell Trubisky, who got his first start uh, since week three just really put this game out of reach in the first half and they just weren't able to mount and come back in the second half. So now the bears, they're five and six with five straight losses. Uh, this team, I mean, if it wasn't official beforehand, but it's gotta be official now, this team's in trouble 
it doesn't matter who's the starting quarterback. It doesn't matter who's calling the plays. It doesn't matter who's starting at offensive line. And it really doesn't matter how well or how poor the, the defense plays. This team, they just can't find ways to win right now. They just look bad. They look really bad right now. Um, they do not look like a team that has any shot at making the playoffs. And, I mean, it just looks like realistically right now that it's in the best interest for the Bears. I know the players, they don't want to hear this or a lot of fans out there that want this team to make a run for the playoffs, they don't want to hear this. But long-term, this team starts to have, has to start thinking about next season, and that starts with draft draft positioning. Yeah, and you mentioned it. Listen, the Bears were never really in the game because their best highlight of the game, their best play on offense was the – early run that David Montgomery had on the 57 is the 57 yard run that David Montgomery had on the bears first offensive possession. But really you look at it and I realize the contrast between Chicago and green Bay is that the Packers are everything that the bears aspire to be on both sides of the ball. Now green Bay's defense statistically has regressed this year, but they're still figuring out a way to get the job done. I mean, listen, Aaron Rodgers threw the ball just 29 times this entire game, which by the way, in the past, we've seen Aaron Rodgers throw the ball. I want to say it just seems like at least 40 times a game. So green Bay's figuring out a way to get it done with a balanced offense. And the bears just nothing's been clicking. I mean, the same issues that were here last year in terms of a bad offensive line, in terms of issues with the quarterback play, no run game, no one besides out, none of the wide receivers besides Allen Robinson producing. You factor that in with lack of production from the tight end. All that has carried into 2020, even after all the moves that they made in the offseason, hoping that it would at least stabilize and be functional, not even perform at a high level, but just be competent enough, be functional. It has not worked out so far. And then just in terms of the long-term outlook of this franchise, I mean, listen, it all is going to start with the 2021 off season. A lot of people are like, okay, well you can retool, get rid of Bobby Massey, get rid of Charles Leno jr. You can't re- find, you know, dra- go ahead and draft a Zach Wilson or a Trey Lance. Cause they're sure as hell not getting fields or Trevor Lawrence, unless they trade the farm and they're not They just can't afford to trade the farm, essentially. But a lot of people are like, look, go ahead and retool. The Bears can't afford to retool. They don't have the money to properly retool. And then we have to keep in mind is that if you try and retool with this defense, the defense is going to be gone by the time your offense catches up and your offense is competent. Because it takes two to three years to develop a good quarterback in this league. That's just the reality of the situation. I know that the emergence of Patrick Mahomes in year two and Lamar Jackson in year two as well. And now we can add Kyler Murray into that category because Kyler's taken a big step forward this year. This is the reason that people go into year two expecting guys to break out. Those The breakouts of those three guys in their second seasons really advanced the timeline for quarterback development. But at the same time, the Bears can't afford to just retool and be ex- and expect to compete anytime in 2021. I mean, they're going to have to go into a full, they have to think about going into a full skill rebuild sometime during the 2021 or 2022 off season. And the full skill rebuild is going to start when Pace and Nagy get fired. Yeah. And unfortunately that's, that's kind of what it comes down to at this point. I think for sure you have to look to move on at the GM spot with Ryan Pace. Uh, he made a bunch of moves this off season to win now, and none of them worked out. Look at the big three. They were, one, trading for Nick Foles. That hasn't worked out whatsoever. Signing Jimmy Graham to a big two-year deal, $9 million guarantee, which, yeah, may not sound like a lot, but with the Bears' current cap situation, you're paying Jimmy Graham, a guy who's way past his prime at the end of his career, 
top of the line tight end money. That doesn't really make sense. And he hasn't really been that productive really since the early part of the year where he was a great red zone threat, hasn't really been part of the offense since then. And in fact, Cole Komet's been out snapping him over the past few weeks. So he's getting phased slowly and slowly. He's getting phased out of the offense, which is not a good sign there. And then, of course, signing Robert Quinn to that massive five-year deal, that has completely, completely blown up in their face. Uh, Robert Quinn, I wouldn't say he's a bad player, but compared to the expectations for what he would bring to this defense and what he was supposed to do from a pass rushing perspective, he has been an absolute flop out there uh, for the Bears. I mean, you can get the same production out of Barkevius Mingo, I think, and they got him in a vet minimum contract. Um, just hasn't worked out whatsoever. Those moves were supposed to put this Bears team over the top, so to speak, into making them a playoff team. And yeah, just not working. Like you said, retool, it would just be the lazy way out, I think, for this group. They need, I wouldn't say they need to tear down everything to their nuts and bolts and trade everybody because that just isn't realistic given their contract situation. Um, they still have to identify who they want to keep around for the next three or four or five years. But I mean, you can start looking at some of the contracts next season. You, you have Kyle Fuller, whose contract's going to be up soon. Akeem Hicks. You can move on from those two contracts and get some pretty decent value for those two guys and start this rebuilding process, right? By investing some re more resources and then trying to get this offense figured out because, you know, in the modern NFL, it just winning around defense isn't sustainable anymore. You know, it's always, flaky year to year whether defense is going to be consistent or not but really when it comes down to it this is an offensive league it's been trending that way over the past decade or so and the bears are behind in the sense that uh you know they're kind of stuck still into this mindset that they have to build around a great defense and that they can just be you know solid enough on offense to help them win games and that just isn't how it works you have to be good on offense to win and really it comes down to on the defensive side of the ball, you need to have four to five really impact players to build around, and you can just figure it out with the rest with cheap signings, young depth, and just go from there. And you look at the Bears' contract structure, I think you can identify a few guys to keep around to maybe keep around over the next three to five years to build around. But, I mean, again, they're not going to win with this defense as currently constructed. They have to make moves to start – blowing this thing up, getting younger and get this offense figured out because that's the most important thing. They're not going to have, they're, they're not going to be contenders and they're not going to have consistent success until the offense becomes a consistent top 10 to top 15 unit in the NFL to where they can kind of build that foundation and get this thing rolling in that direction. Right. And nothing's going to go right for the offense. I mean, listen, you can bring in whoever you need to for the offense, but that's not going to matter until you get the big fish in the room figured out, which is the quarterback position. The Bears have, look, you can argue that they could select a quarterback in 2021. You could argue that they need to overhaul the roster, potentially do so in 2022. And I've been a proponent of doing both. You just got to figure out, do you wait a year or do you pull the trigger in 2021? But the point is, is the fact that you mentioned some of the younger pieces, the depth guys, there are some young depth guys on this roster that can be building blocks. Roquan Smith is certainly one of them. Okay. Eddie Jackson's locked into a four-year deal. I mean, his extension kicks in 2021. So he's definitely going to be here through at least 2024, or 2025. All right. You look on the offensive side as well. Sam Mustafer is a guy who played pretty solid on Sunday for, I think it was his second start of the season, but 
the question is, is, is he really a true building block going forward? Can he be a starter in this league? Or can he be someone that can be a valuable depth piece? Alex Bars looked pretty good. James Daniels is a decent building block. But the point is, is that the Bears just need, they need starter talent, and then they need depth behind those guys too. And we look at the wide receiver room. I mean, I think Allen Robinson is as good as gone. Okay, when we talk about the wide receiver room, I mean, Anthony Miller really hasn't panned out. And they invested two second round picks essentially into Anthony Miller because they get, drafted him with the 56th overall pick in 2018, but they traded back into the second round and gave up the a, a second round pick, a 2019 second round pick to grab him. Anthony Miller has not panned out. All right. The only building blocks that we have in the wide receiver room right now is Darnell Mooney. And then Cole Komet's another building block who unfortunately has not gotten a lot of playing time. And then other building blocks include David Montgomery's one, but this is someone that 2021 is going to be his third year in the league. He's going to be eligible for a contract extension as soon as the calendar flips to 2022. And we can just see the beating that he's taken over the last couple of years. I seriously do not know if David Montgomery is even going to get a serious second contract extension because running backs in this league they really only get one contract i mean look at jordan howard this is someone that was second in the the second rookie leading rusher in the nfl back in 2016 as a fifth round pick and he's basically on i think the eagles practice squad at this point so the point is is that the bears yeah they have some young talent that they can build around but then there's also some guys that you're like you know what they probably do not deserve you don't know whether they're really going to get a second contract or not. So it's just a messy situation. And, you know, last point that I'm going to make here is that people talk about retooling, but it's just like, what exactly is your definition of retooling? Retooling to some teams is making three or four moves to get the team to where it needs to be. The Bears are not, this is not a team that's going to make just three or four moves and then all of a sudden be relevant in 2021 or 2022 for that matter. Yeah, you can do it in an offseason, but then you're essentially borrowing money for future years when you are going to have to pay a guy like Darnell Mooney, when you are going to have to pick up Roquan Smith's fifth-year option, when Eddie Jackson's contract extension is really going to set in, when you eventually do have to pay Jalen Johnson a couple years down the road. Yeah, absolutely, and that's where it really comes down to. I think you said it best. It really doesn't matter until they figure out the quarterback position, and really that comes in the draft probably most likely, and uh, I, I think that's a good way to transition to, to our topic for today's episode where we have quite a bit to cover today, but especially with the Bears' recent slide, I, I think it's a good time to start looking at where they're going to be in the standings in regards to the draft and draft positioning so get a, getting a sense of what teams will impact their draft position moving forward and, and how, you know, the Bears can position themselves to where they can maybe make a move for a high-end quarterback talent in this next upcoming draft. Uh, this was, we also have some storylines to cover for the Big Ten championship format going forward. There's been a, some messy situations going on in the Big Ten with a lot of games being canceled. So a lot to cover there. And, you know, just looking forward to this weekend of, of college football and what we're kind of looking forward to there. So a lot to cover today. Uh, hopefully we won't linger on the Bears too long, but we kind of have to address the elephant in the room there. But before we get to that, we're going to take our first break of the show uh, with a word from our sponsor. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers. Outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. 
We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. And we're back here at Pixture Pace, kind of moving on from that first segment, talking about how this Bears team has completely fallen apart over the last month or so this season. Uh, talking about their draft position right now, as it currently stands, the Bears are slated to have the 13th overall pick in the NFL draft. So they're kind of in the middle there of the first round, although it's trending that it's trending towards them being a little bit closer to that top 10 area when it, when things are all said and done after the season. You know, we all know that, of course, the biggest need is the quarterback position. They also have have to address the offensive line, especially at offensive tackle and get some more explosive playmakers there, there on offense, especially if Allen Robinson leaves in free agency. Um, but I, I think we, t- we talked about this earlier. If they want to find long-term success for this organization, they have to find a way to position themselves to get in the sweepstakes on some of these top quarterbacks in this draft. I, I think, like you said, Lawrence and Fields are probably out of the questions, but you know, I, I think a guy like Zach Wilson or Trey Lance, those two could be very well be in play for this team if they make an effort to uh, go after that and really attack that quarterback position. Um, but it's going to be tough because there are some teams ahead of them right now that pro- might be looking for quarterback help as well. You know, there's going to be, I think, a lot of movement this offseason at the quarterback position. A lot of older guys near the end of their contracts. You look at Matthew Stafford. Matt Ryan are kind of the two that stick out the most, even like a Ben Roethlisberger type. And you have guys like Drew Brees. He's probably going to be retiring after this season. So a lot of teams, they're going to be looking for a quarterback. And you look at some of the notable ones ahead of the Bears right now. I I kind of – the realistic teams the Bears could pass potentially if they completely fall apart at the end of the season. I have down as the Panthers, Detroit, and Denver. Those are kind of the three teams I'm looking at that – could be in play for a quarterback that the Bears may be able to surpass at the end of this season. And, and also the entire NFC East because that division's a joke and uh, all those teams really besides – actually, no, I, I'd say like besides the Cowboys, I guess, with Dak Prescott, th- those are probably – they're probably all going to be in play for a uh, quarterback in this draft as well. Right, and I have the current NFL draft order as a week 13 pulled up on Tankathon. And I look at the Bears, like you said, right? They're slated to pick at 13. What do you have ahead of them? You have Denver. And then you have Houston's, what was projected to be the Houston Texans first round pick. That's now going to be the Miami Dolphins first round pick. And then Atlanta, Detroit, Washington, Carolina, really from that seven to 10 range. I think the big thing to keep in mind is that the Bears have already beaten the Lions once this year. And then they've beaten Atlanta and then they've beaten Carolina too. And, the big thing to keep in mind with that is just that when it does come down to tiebreakers, right, those teams are probably going to be picking higher than the Bears would because the Bears beat both the teams. So in a way, you could argue that the Bears kind of hurt themselves, but that was also in the earlier part of the season before they went on this five-game losing streak. And you realize there's also a financial aspect that plays into this because I get Teddy Bridgewater is signed to, I think it's a three-year deal with Carolina. The Falcons financially, whoever they hire, the Falcons financially, I don't even think they can afford to get out of Matt Ryan's contract until 2022 at earliest. But we do realize that there are some reports that have come out of the Falcons organization that have said that the next, the ownership essentially was just like, listen, the next regime is going to decide what they want to do with Matt Ryan. Now it's also entirely possible that the Falcons decide, you know what, we know we 
can't get out of Matt Ryan's contract right now, but we are going to draft and groom a guy anyway, because this is the way that teams do things in the NFL. They're not just going to 20 to 30 years ago. It was you draft a guy in the first round and that guy's starting day one. Now the teams are willing to kind of take their foot off the gas a bit and say, you know what? We're not going to draft. We are going to draft this guy top 10, but we're going to put a bridge quarterback ahead of him. That bridge quarterback is going to play for a couple of games before we go ahead and we decide to throw the rookie in to see what this rookie can do and where we need to improve. Cause this guy is the face of the franchise moving forward. Yeah. The Atlanta Falcons thing is really interesting to me because like you said, Matt Ryan, I think if they're, if they were to try to move on from him this off season, I, I could be wrong on this, but I believe their dead cap for the Atlanta Falcons would be like $40 million to move on from Matt Ryan this off season. So there's no, there's no way they're moving on from, from Ryan in 2021. And I think the dead cap is pretty high for him in 2022 as well. So they're kind of stuck with him there. I can see the Falcons being in a position to where they feel like, you know, we have Matt Ryan here. We got some interesting pieces on offense with Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. Um, They've invested a bit in that offensive line over the past couple of years as well to get that thing right. It really comes – and they played better over the past few games uh, once they fired Dan Quinn, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Their defense has looked a lot better. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Falcons think that, you know, with Matt Ryan under the contract, maybe we have a couple more years left to try and see if we can squeeze another Super Bowl run out of him if we fix the defense a little bit. So I think the Falcons, I'm confident in thinking that they'll go into another position besides quarterback, but it wouldn't surprise me, like you said, they try to find that young guy to kind of replace him. And Detroit's kind of in the same situation as well, although I think they're going for a complete overhaul now that they fired both their GM and their head coach. So uh, Matt Stafford, it wouldn't be ideal to move on from him in 2021 just based off of how his contract is set up. But 2022 and beyond, uh, they can pretty much get out of his deal pretty easily. So they would be in a prime position, I think, to try and find their next quarterback in the future. And, you know, Matt Stafford's only got one or two years left on his deal anyway. So maybe you have Matt Stafford for one more season to try and get this team, have this team be competitive and then just move on from him after that. So they're interesting right there. And the Panthers, who knows what the Panthers are going to do? Because, you know, I I look at them, they have Teddy Bridgewater there. And Teddy Bridgewater, you know, I don't think you're winning anything substantial with him, but he's a solid starting quarterback in the NFL. And I don't know how his contract is necessarily structured, but again, like you said, three-year deal right there. I'm assuming he's got some guarantees next year that, that keeps him in there in Carolina for 2021. So again, those are some teams to watch out for, especially in, but the NFC East is really interesting for me too, because Dallas, I think they'll, you know, do the smart thing and try and keep Dak Prescott long-term. We've seen how that team has completely fallen apart with him injured over the past few weeks. Uh, Washington, they definitely need a quarterback. Alex Smith isn't the answer there. It's, it's clear that they want to move on from Dwayne Haskins under this new coaching regime with Ron Rivera. Uh, running the organization essentially now and the Eagles I mean they're another team to where you know they're paying Carson Wentz huge money Uh, they they have a huge contract extension for him that's starting to kick in right now but he looks awful (laughs) he's been looking awful this season he's been one of the worst quarterbacks in the league which was one of the most surprising things I think uh, to see this season because I think if you were to ask anybody uh, going into this year they would probably have Carson Wentz as a borderline top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And he looks broken right now in that Eagles offense. And they drafted Jalen Hurst in the second round this past draft. So 
maybe they think Hertz can be their guy uh, to develop going into the future, but they're another interesting team to watch as well. If they miss the playoffs, which it looks like they will because uh, Carson Wentz, he's getting a huge contract down the road here with a lot of guarantees, but I don't know, man, they, it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if they tried to invest in a new quarterback to uh, replace him going forward. Yeah, and I'm not sure who watched the Monday Night Football game or really read the news going up to this, but for the listeners, I mean, I think Eagles owner Howie Roseman essentially said, look, if Carson Wentz is going to continue to perform badly, then you better throw Jalen Hurts. And anytime you have the owner basically publicly saying that, it means that the head guy, the guy who owns the team, is not happy with the way that Carson Wentz is playing because Jeffrey Lurie is the one that, you know – is essentially responsible for getting cut for is during that Carson Wentz gets his paychecks each week. And I think that the, you know, Eagles brass, they also said something about when they drafted Jalen Hurts of, Hey, listen, we aim to be a quarterback factory. So things do not look very good in Philadelphia right now. And then just as I look at the rest of the draft order, I realized that there's a couple teams that are picking after the bears. Like you have Minnesota at 14th, you have new England, 15, San Francisco, 16, Las Vegas, 17. Those are four teams right there that I look at and I say, okay, even these guys do not have their quarterback of the future on the roster. I mean, I get Minnesota's tied to Kirk Cousins for a couple of years, but they can also really get out of that deal. And another, I think it's year or two, they can get out of that deal. And then we realize the Patriots are always going to be the most sneaky organization in the NFL. I mean, look, they, you bring in Cam Newton on like a one year, seven or $8 million deal. But then what happens is, is it's, a move that you know with the way Cam Newton's been playing this year, he's probably not going to be back in 2021. And then you look at San Francisco. Listen, there's been rumors of Kyle Shanahan. I think Shanahan has publicly said this. Look, we're committed to Jimmy Garoppolo for 2021. But how committed are you really when you sign this guy to a big deal just two to three off seasons ago? And when you sign a quarterback to a big deal, you are committing to that guy saying you are the person that can lead us to a Super Bowl. Jimmy Garoppolo led them to a Super Bowl but he did so also on the heels of a great defense and a good running game. And when it came time for him to prove I'm worth every penny in this past Super Bowl, he did not do so. He was outplayed by um, Patrick Mahomes. And then you look at Las Vegas, which seven, at seven, currently at 17th overall. Now, there were rumors last year, early February, essentially, that right around the time of the scouting combine saying that Derek Carr could be available. And obviously, this is right around the time that Carr posted a picture of Col- of him and Khalil Mack shaking hands in London. I think the big thing though, to understand is that Derek Carr and John Gruden, it's a relationship that seems to be working, but at the same time, you have Mike Mayock there. Is Derek Carr really the guy to lead the Raiders moving forward? I mean, Oh, Las Vegas, right? I should say they have overhauled the roster. There's some good young talent. They believe that they have a team that can continue to win games and have sustained success in the future. So I think that if the opportunity arises where I could really see a guy like Trey Lance being a guy who John Gruden would like to draft and then develop and build around, I think that the Raiders are another team that's currently slated to pick behind the Bears that could potentially go ahead and jump the Bears because all four of those teams have way more leverage and draft capital and the state situations are more stable than what the bears are likely to have in 2021. Yeah. I think for me, we're looking at those four teams that you just mentioned there. I, I honestly think the Raiders are fine with Derek Carr. I think he's on a, he's on a cheap contract relative to what other starting quarterbacks are making the NFL. And he's played really well this season. He's looked probably his best since uh, that one year, I think it was 2015 where he was playing at a borderline MVP level for many people across the NFL uh, he's been playing really well this season. I, I, I think the Raiders are happy with Derek Carr. 
uh, moving forward there. They have some other issues, especially on defense, that they need, they need to figure out first before maybe trying to decide whether they need to go to a new, new quarterback. But, you know, I look at the Vikings. They're an interesting one. You know, I think they would be smart to try and move on from Kirk Cousins or at least trying to find his replacement because there's only – Kirk Cousins is a fine quarterback, don't get me wrong. I think he's about league average, but, you know, you're probably not winning a Super Bowl with him anytime soon unless you have a just a loaded roster around him, which they don't at the moment. But I wouldn't be surprised if, they, if they're content with just going with Kirk Cousins now because, you know, the way they extended his contract this past offseason, it seems like they're committed to keeping him – at least for the foreseeable future. But San Francisco, I, I think they're a very interesting team because to me, this, the 49ers, and obviously they've had a rash of injuries this season that have really held them down from you know reaching their potential. But I, they're one of those teams where they're absolutely, I look at them and they are a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl favorite in this league because they have a great defense right now. Um, and I know they've had some injuries this season, but even without Nick Bosa, D4 being in and out of the lineup this season, Richard Sherman being out of the lineup, you know, they're still one of the top 10 defenses in the NFL this year. And that's without some of their best playmakers on that side of the ball. They're going to be great on defense for at least a few more years here. And then on offense, they've invested in some young playmakers at wide receiver. They have George Kittle at tight end, who's probably the best tight end. Him and, you know, Travis Kelsey probably are the, are the two best tight ends in the game right now. And then, you really look at it, Kyle Shanahan, he's probably the best play caller uh, in the NFL on the offensive side of the ball. And it really comes down to, can you get that production out of the quarterback room to really maximize this offense? And I think with Jimmy G, I, I don't think they see themselves uh, being able to maximize this offense with him at quarterback. So by moving off from Jimmy G and getting a young quarterback, by trading up and being aggressive and getting their guy, not only could they save a lot of money by moving on from Jimmy G's contract, I think he's, they can probably save around, I think it is around 30 million by moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo this off season, if they wanted to do that and go that direction, which would be huge for a team that's get, starting to get a little bit tighter against the salary cap going forward, but they can get a quarterback then with a higher upside. Maybe a guy like Zach Wilson, I think would be a perfect fit for that offense as kind of that athletic playmaker off script to kind of compliment what Shanahan can scheme up for this team with some of their wide receivers and playmakers in space. So San Francisco, they're the most interesting team to look at because I think they definitely have the motivation. I think knowing that they have a roster that's capable of winning now to try and get that quarterback room solved and get that position solved so that they can really maximize their potential as an organization and go for a Super Bowl run. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And um, so when we look at these last four teams, I, really think that what it's shaping up to be is that the landscape's going to change for each of these four kind of going into 2021. It's like you have the four Niners right now. They're sitting there at five and six. And let's just say they also miss the playoffs, right? I think what will happen is the regime is going to have to decide, well, what do we want to do with Jimmy Garoppolo? I think that when we look at a team like um, the Vikings, for example, yeah, these guys went ahead and they started off really slow. They found their groove under Dalvin Cook. But then again, it's just like they paid Kirk Cousins all this money, right? 
to kind of be the guy to compensate in a year where they knew that they were going through a bit of a retooling themselves. And Kirk Cousins really hasn't stepped up. So I think that the landscape's going to change. And the next five weeks are obviously, they're going to be critical for any team, but more so for the Bears who are looking to draft a quarterback, right? They are, um, they're more critical because what these, a couple of these teams do over the next couple of weeks is going to impact what the Bears do in 2021. Because a lot of people right now are just like, well, throw all your money at Dak Prescott. But then in free agency, but then again, it's just like, well, Dak Prescott really hit free agency. Nobody knows, right? Except maybe Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys at this point. And then if you do bring Dak Prescott here, are you really content with throwing him behind an offensive line that is only going to be returning Cody White here, James Daniels, and potentially Charles Leno Jr.? That's it. I mean, it's the line's going to have to be revamped, and you can't just throw any QB. You can't just move on from Trubisky and um, Nick Foles and then be like, okay, everything's going to be good. We got it all figured out. No, they have to be good around the quarterback too. So yeah, Dak Prescott would be great, but it's a bit of a pipe dream at this point, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't see that happening. I think the Cowboys are going to be motivated to keep him in, in Dallas long-term. Like like we said a lot here, it really comes down to the draft and whether they can find their guy there. And uh, we'll see what happens. Obviously, these next few weeks are important for draft positioning. Um, you know, we'll see. Hopefully, watching this Bears team, they're not as frustrating to watch. But I, I think you have to look at this long term here and say that, you know what, if this team starts to lose even more, that, that maybe isn't the, the worst thing in the world, given where they're at right now. All right. So we're going to move on to some college talk over the next uh, two segments here for this podcast. But before we get into that, we're going to take our second break of the show with another word from our sponsor. And we're back here at Picks for Pace, moving on to our next subject for this episode. And I, I think it really comes down to the biggest storyline, I think, in, in college football right now, outside of, you know, some of the Heisman watch and some of the things going down there with the college football playoff, is what's happening in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, looking forward to this weekend, we're get, starting to see even more game postponements in the Big Ten conference when it comes to their football programs. So looking forward to this weekend slate of games, Michigan and Maryland, uh, they're postponed now due this weekend due to COVID. So that's just another game that's being wiped out from the schedule. And it, this comes really, it, this becomes really interesting when you look at uh, the Big Ten's rules for this year because they had an eight-game slate for this this season, but due to COVID, they knew that you know there were probably going to be some cancellations here and there throughout the season because you know what if these what if, you know, a team gets infected and we start to see a spread there, some of these games are going to be canceled and we've seen that play out over the season. So the big 10, they have a rule to where in order to be eligible for the big 10 conference championship game, uh, a team need to play at least six games this season in order to qualify. Um, so, so far it looks like the majority of teams in contention right now will reach this benchmark, but there are a couple of teams right now that could lose out on a championship opportunity. When you look at it, uh, Wisconsin is probably the big one. They're already ineligible because they've missed a few games earlier in the season. You know, unless the Big Ten decides to, you know, get rid of that rule or to reschedule games, they're not going to be able to get to six games. So it looks like with their COVID situation, that kind of hurt their chances early in the season. It looks like they're out of the playoff picture, or the, I should say the conference championship picture as it stands right now. And then Maryland, they're interesting to watch too because we're talking about them with their game being canceled this weekend. 
it's possible that they won't be able to qualify as well. So that's another thing to watch out for them there. But the big school to watch for in this regard is Ohio State because they had to cancel their game this past weekend against Illinois due to COVID. Uh, they had some players and coaches on their staff uh, get, you know, get diagnosed with that this past weekend. So uh, they're still in the process of determining whether they'll be playing this week against Michigan State. If they're unable to finish their regular season slate of games, it's looking right now that Indiana would have the inside track to winning the East division for the big 10, you know, Northwestern, they've already clinched the West. They're not playing their game this weekend as well against Minnesota due to COVID. So uh, there is a lot to play for here on that other side of the big 10 division there. And it really comes down to, I think, whether which team is going to be able to play their a full enough slate of games. Yeah, I agree. And it just seems like everything's a complete toss up because when the season started, we, and the schedules came out and it was announced that the Big Ten was coming back sometime in the second or last week of October. It was like, okay, so these are the games to look forward to right now. Ohio State, obviously, I don't even think Ryan Day is expected to call. I don't even think Ryan Day is supposed to be coaching this weekend when they do eventually play. I believe it's Michigan State, right? But everything's kind of so up in air because teams are good because players are losing like valuable time and valuable game time to be able to improve their drop stock, right? And then also when we look at it, I mean, it's like you mentioned now, Minnesota, I'm sorry, Northwestern's pretty much like wrapped up the West part of the big 10, but then the East side of the big 10, you know, the East divisions completely up in the air and nobody knows what's going to happen. I mean, going into the year, I certainly did not expect Northwestern to do anything significant because I was looking forward to, I'm like, okay, what about Wisconsin and Minnesota? And then obviously Ohio state's the big one in the room, but, um, yeah, like I said, dude, everything's completely up in the air. And I truly think that it's going to be unique when we do have the Big Ten championship game here in a couple of weeks. Like, who essentially is going to be playing? And I think you could make the argument there are two schools that nobody expected to even play in the Big Ten championship game at the start of the season that are now going to be playing in that game. Yeah, it would be crazy to see a Northwestern Indiana uh, Big Ten conference championship game because you know you have your usual suspects in each side of the big 10 here usually when you're looking at the west it's usually wisconsin or iowa that's in the mix and we thought minnesota would be, would be better this season but obviously they they just haven't been able to compete this year whatsoever but you know really you look at wisconsin and iowa those are the two programs that are usually in contention here for the west and you know iowa they've had a couple of key losses here this season that, that have uh, kept them out of contention and wisconsin i mean they just the COVID thing in the earlier in the season has really, really hurt them. Um, and obviously they had a chance to beat Northwestern. They weren't able to capitalize this last week. Um, so that really hurts them there. But really this Ohio State thing is very interesting because if they have to cancel their game against Michigan State this upcoming weekend, uh, I don't think it hurts their playoff chances because I think the you know, college football community, I think they're going to be able to recognize that Ohio State, they're one of the four best teams in college football right now, regardless of how many games they've played this year. But I mean, that would just, that would not look good. I think for the players, that would be a kind of a, a tough pill to swallow. I think for the players, because Ohio State's been dominant in the big 10 ever since Urban Meyer took over there earlier in, you know, like five, seven years ago, I think it was. And you know, they've just been able to run roughshod, I think, over this conference for such a long time. And to be a team that uh, is in contention for the best college football team right now, that's playing right now this season, 
and not being able to win their own conference just due to technicalities with the way that it's set up, uh, that would just be, I think, a tough thing for some of those players to kind of have to process, I think. Yeah, and then, you know, what sucks is this, right? It's just just like, it's going to kind of suck to see certain teams not get to where they anticipated to be all because of COVID-19. But then I think we have to keep in mind is just just like the team that navigates this whole thing the best throughout the season is going to be the one that wins. And now Wisconsin, they had their outbreak. I think it was like the second week that the Big Ten was back. And you look at OSU, they've got a complete outbreak going on, outbreak happening right now. It's been kind of been going on, but the situation still really seems to be up in air. And I still think that when we do have college football playoffs in January, I still think that um, OSU is going to be one of the four teams that does get in. But the question is how far exactly do we like expect them to go? Cause right now I think I know Alabama's the first four. And then I think that Clemson and Notre Dame are in there too. Right. I have not looked at the rankings since like last week, I believe, but the point is, is that um, how far really is OSU going to go with all this time that they are um, missing? Yeah. And I think looking at it right now, I think Texas A&M they're ranked fifth right now. So maybe they would be in play to overtake them, maybe Florida, even with Kyle Trask at quarterback there, uh, still putting up some big numbers for that offense. Those are kind of the two teams to watch here, probably, to overtake Ohio State if uh, if their outbreak continues and they can't play some of these games coming up to really uh, impress college football playoff committee here. But I still think they're going to do whatever they can to get these games played. It, it really comes down to the safety and whether these players are healthy or not. And I, I hope they are. I hope that these things can be controlled and, um, you know, nothing too out of the ordinary happens here. But it, it like you said, it's up in the air right now. We don't know. It, the, the nature of this pandemic and everything that's been going on is just – it, it really it, it really causes everything to go into flux here in the sports world because you just don't know anything can really happen with these type of things. So we'll see what that entails there. I would hope that the Big Ten can be a little bit – if this starts to become an issue over the next couple of weeks to end their regular season, that the Big Ten is a bit flexible with these things and maybe can reschedule a couple of games here just to get a full slate of games for all these teams. But it sounds like they're committed to that six-game uh, benchmark there. So that's kind of a frustrating thing for me because it, it I don't know, it just makes, it, it just puts a bad taste in my mouth personally to have teams that are probably deserving of a, of a chance to be in the playoff here that won't be able to just because of something that, I mean, yeah, they, they have some control over it, obviously, you know, teams, teams that can handle this stuff the best, like you said, um, uh, you know, will have the most success this season and be able to maneuver the season best, but uh, you know, at some point, it, these are some some of these things are just kind of out of your control sometimes with the way this the nature of this thing is. And uh, I don't know, I, I would just hope that it wouldn't come to that point. Yeah, and I really don't think the I mean, listen, the only way that they're going to reschedule some of these games is if there's money that's involved online. And there's always going to be money involved for the NCAA. But at the same time, it's just like, look. They there's always a specific window to go ahead and to because I was saying this about the NFL earlier in the season when the Titans had their week four outbreak. And I was like, look, you can only move so many games around now. All of a sudden we're 
recording this on a Wednesday afternoon and less than 45 minutes, we've got Steelers and Ravens kicking off and they move that game around like three or four times, but that's the NFL. The NCAA, I don't think can even move these games around and then just have them play like randomly on, you know, a Wednesday or Thursday afternoon. And there's only so many times that you can move things around. It gets to a certain point where you're like, all right, you know what? We kind of have to continue going forward with what's going forward. And if you're the NCAA, you got to put, Schools may be like, look, reschedule games. The athletes may be like, listen, we want to play. But at the same time, some of these schools that have had that COVID-19 outbreak, I think if you're the NCAA, you have to put your foot down and you have to say, okay, you know what? We gave you guys a certain set of protocols. You guys were told not to break them. There were also other guidelines from professional organizations like the CDC, for example, which is like socially distanced, wear your masks, stuff like that, wash your hands frequently, things like that, that have been in place far before the college football season even started and before they talked about even canceling the season or would there even be a season right so the ones that had this so I really don't think the NCAA is going to start just rescheduling games left and right because it's just too complicated of a process at this point because another thing you're looking at then is then you have to go to you start talking about rescheduling these games and then you're all of a sudden having to talk to these big tv networks like ESPN or ABC or Fox for example or even CBS, you know, and convince them and say, hey, listen, right, can you fit, I know you had this X, Y, and Z program originally planned, but can you fit in like, you know, a Wisconsin versus Purdue makeup game? Can you do that? And I really don't think the TV networks would be willing to do it for the NCAA at this point. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's a business. And I mean, when it comes down to it, some of these things, I mean, it just outside of uh, the players and some of the coaches control when it comes to getting these things rescheduled and, and stuff like that. So I, I, we've been kind of hammering this point all year when it comes to the NFL and college football, but, you know, I'll say it again, the teams that handle this the best are the teams that are going to come out on top this season. It's not always fair. It's not always going to be, you know, perfect. It's not going to be pretty most of the time, but, uh, that's just kind of the way it is right now and the way we're kind of have to maneuver this thing in, in the sports world, it, it seems like. And um, I don't know. I, I hope that Ohio State and Michigan State, they can play this weekend. I want to see Justin Fields play as much as possible, just from a selfish standpoint, kind of evaluating him as a prospect. You know, I, I want to see as, as much tape as possible on him. Um, and, you know, getting him in a big game setting like the Big Ten Championship is is a, is a long way towards getting that. But Again, the safety and all that stuff comes first. And if, if they think that it's, it would be unwise and unsafe to get this game played, then that's probably going to have to be the best decision moving forward. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, I just do not foresee it. Um, you know, I really just do not foresee it happening where the NCAA just starts scheduling games left and right. Cause like you said, it's not always fair, but they have to move forward with the season at some point and then wrap it up too. Because hopefully the thought process is, I guess, that sometime in 2021 during the college offseason that they are going to be able to have a full and regular offseason and be able to just play a full season properly. I mean, that's the hope, but no one knows what's going to happen. Yep, and we'll, and we'll see what happens there. Hopefully these things are can figure themselves out. But until then, we'll see how that plays out going forward. All right, we're going to end this podcast here talking about some of the storylines that we're both looking forward to for these upcoming weekend slate of games. But before we really get into that and dig into that, really, we're going to take our final break of the show with one final word from our sponsor. And we're back here at Picks for Pace, concluding this episode with a couple of games that 
us two are really looking forward to watching this upcoming weekend. And you say, I'll, I'll start with you. Uh, what are some of the games or which game are you looking forward to the most this weekend for any, any prospects to look forward to, or just the matchup in general uh, to kind of watch for, for it from an entertainment entertainment standpoint. So yeah, this one's pretty much a given because I do think that UNC is going to end up winning, but it's UNC versus the Western Carolina Catamounts. Okay. That's a really intriguing name, but anyway, I'm watching this game mainly because of the prospects because you have QB one for 2022, which is um, Sam Howell. And I thought that really last week against Notre Dame, I thought Sam Howell played a pretty decent game, but if he is going to legitimize himself into QB one discussion for 2022, you have to come out and you have to win those games against a team like Notre Dame. But then I look at just the U the offensive, the skill position players that Mac Brown has brought into UNC kind of the way he's building that program up compared to the time that Mitch Trubisky was there. I think that UNC is a program that is definitely on the, on the, um, on the rise. Right. I mean, look, they have, Javante Williams is their running back and he I think is averaging like seven yards a carry almost he's a really dynamic uh junior to watch that I think is expected to declare for the uh 2021 draft right and I think that when you're the Bears you gotta keep gotta keep an eye on it because you do need to have a um compliment to a guy like David Montgomery but yeah the UNC versus WC game is the biggest one that I'm probably looking forward to um watching this weekend yeah, Daz Newsmith, wide receiver, another name to watch, I think, for that one. And then uh, Surratt, linebacker. Those are some two interesting prospects to watch as well, I think, in that game. Uh, for me, I, I'm kind of going down the similar path. You're looking at quarterback, the quarterback position for 2022, and that's uh, JT Daniels at Georgia. Uh, he's in the beginning of his third start with Georgia. It was, It's a weird situation why he wasn't starting earlier, but uh, now that he's in the game now and playing, he's looked pretty well, I think, over these past two games. Uh, Georgia's playing Vanderbilt uh, this Saturday. I it's a similar, similar situation here. Georgia's clearly the better team. They're probably going to blow out Vanderbilt in this one. Now, Vanderbilt hasn't won a game this year, so it, it really is a mis mismatch for this one. But Daniels, you look at what he did in his first start uh, against Mississippi State. He threw for over 400 yards and four touchdowns in his debut, which is a really good start uh, for this Georgia team that has really struggled on offense this season to really put it all together. But then you look at what he did last week against South Carolina. Didn't have his best game. He really struggled in that one. Uh, really didn't have the chance to really throw the ball a lot, too, in that game as well. So wasn't getting a big sample size to really show what he can do. Um, again, looking at Vanderbilt, they're not a good team at all. But what I want to see out of Daniels in this one, I just want to see how he responds to having a bit of an off week in his past game and seeing if he can take advantage of, a, of some weak competition here with a dominant performance because, I mean, Obviously, you want to judge these quarterbacks by how they play against the, the big teams and the big games against these high-level competitions. But these smaller games matter, too, in terms of uh, teams that aren't very good in terms of these teams that, you know, kind of give these guys an opportunity to kind of pad their stats a bit. And you want to see, you know, these high-end quarterback prospects take advantage of these situations and really just go out there and just play ball and just – absolutely look fantastic. So that's what I'm looking forward to seeing if Daniels can really look impressive in this one. Uh, I think that'll go a long way towards improving his stock going into next season. Yeah, definitely. And another prospect to keep an eye is on um, George's defense, right? I believe it's the safety Richard Lacunte, the second or third 
Um, but yeah, he's an intriguing prospect because like, I really like what I see from him. I do think right now he is a day two guy for the 2021 NFL draft. And obviously I've said this multiple times on this podcast. If you're Chicago, you need to figure out a way to solidify the safety position next to Eddie Jackson, because at some point you can't just keep signing these veterans like ha Clinton Dixon to Sean Gibson to one year deals. The easiest thing, cause that's money that although it's not a lot of money, it's still money that can be allocated somewhere else. The best thing to do is just bring in a cheap rookie, a rookie on a cheap contract for three or four years. So, and I think that Richard Lacunte would fit really nice next to Eddie Jackson. Yeah. And then uh, what other game are you looking forward to this weekend as well? For me, right, uh, it just really boils down to the Alabama and LSU game. And and I know that LSU is not as dominant as um, they were last year, but you have – I'm watching the game mainly because of Alabama, right, because, like, you have Dylan Moses on defense, okay? And then you have um, on the offensive side of the ball, you have Mac Jones, who it's just very apparent that a lot of people are split on what Mac Jones can really be because you have some people saying, well, he's a second round pick, but then you have some people saying, well, maybe he's done good enough to go into the first round. And you look at a lot of the playmakers that Alabama has. Najee Harris is one. Devontae Smith's another one. I know Jalen Waddle's out for this season because of a lower leg injury. But, um, you know, Mac Jones has looked real good. And I think that if you're Chicago, let's just say you do go on a run here. I'm not really sh- – and you're not picking high enough for any of the big four. Maybe Mac Jones is somebody that uh, you can – draft and then potentially develop behind Nick Foles for a year or two before you give him the keys to the franchise. So that Alabama LSU game is going to be fun to watch. Like I said, LSU is not as dominant as they used to be, but another guy to keep an eye on in that game is uh, Jamar Chase, who is going to be a first round pick in 2021, the wide receiver. Yeah. Terrence Marshall is another guy I think for LSU that has a chance to get picked high at that wide receiver position. Uh, there's going to be a lot of talent in this game. Like you said, Alabama, their offense is really loaded right now, and they just seem to be able to find these guys to just replace these first-round talents year after year after year after year. Uh, it's really impressive what they're doing there. Uh, for me, I, I like uh, Alex Leatherwood as well, the left tackle. We'll see how he can do in this game as well. That'll be, that'll be something to watch in that game for sure. Uh, finally, for me, I, I think the last game I'm looking forward to here uh, is, is Indiana against Wisconsin. These are, these are, these are two ranked teams in the big 10 and from purely from a competition standpoint, I think this is shaping up to be the best game on Saturday, just in general, in terms of a competition uh, perspective, Uh, Indiana, it's unfortunate because they'll have to deal with the loss of their quarterback, Michael Penix, uh, who tore his ACL last week against Maryland. Uh, If you remember, he had that big game against Ohio state a couple of weeks ago, where I think he threw for what was like 500 yards or something crazy, just really good performance out of him. And he's really been, uh, you know, the machine that really kind of runs that offense for uh, the engine, I should say, that runs that offense for Indiana really helps them uh, be consistent threat game after game after game. And we've seen him really have a nice season so far. So really unfortunate to see him go down last week and uh, we'll see what they do to kind of replace his production. That'll be interesting to see because Wisconsin, they have a really good defense. They have good defenses every single year. Uh, just ever, they just recruit that side of the ball very well they they're really well coached and you know when I look at Wisconsin now you know we talked about how they're not in play for a big time conference spot but there's still a lot in the line in terms of bowl game positioning and stuff like that 
So I, I think with Wisconsin, they had a really rough game last week against Northwestern. They only scored seven points in this one, in that one. Uh, just really couldn't get anything going on the offensive side of the ball. So for me, can they get going against an Indiana defense that has played well, played well at times this year? Uh, they've done a good job of taking the ball away and getting after quarterbacks. Uh, those are those are some of the things that I'm looking forward to seeing in that game. And um, it should be a fun one. I think those are two teams that are on the same level competitively wise. And those games always, I think, are ones that turn out to be the most exciting ones on, on Saturdays. Yeah, and I'm definitely looking forward to watching that Indiana defense just because, I mean, that's the same defense that I think a couple of weeks ago gave Justin Fields a lot of problems, right? So I really want to see what they go ahead and do against, uh, you know, what isn't, I wouldn't consider it like a super loaded Wisconsin offense, but it's a pretty decent offense, right? I mean, and I think that um, Graham Mertz, right, who is your guy for, I think it's like, what, 2022 or 2023, one of those years, uh, hopefully he's back fully healthy back from COVID playing again. Cause I know he was out for like three weeks earlier in the season, but yeah, that IU Wisconsin game is going to be one that I'm also keeping an eye on. Cause I really think that that's a game that has potential to not significantly shake up things in the big 10, but can really, uh, or at least shake things up just a bit. Yeah. Certainly in terms of bowl game positioning, that'll be something interesting to watch for sure. And, like you said, Graham Mertz, he's a guy that's on my radar as well. He had a really good start to the season. Uh, hasn't really been playing since, but hopefully he can get back and uh, get back going again and, and start to uh, get some momentum to end his season. So I, I think this is a good point to conclude this episode of the Picks for Pace podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Picks for Pace. Uh, you say, where can they find you on Twitter? Yeah, guys, so you can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Colshaw and then check out my work on the Bear Report as well. I've got... Um... Just articles about the Bears dropping right now, but as we do get into December and then eventually January, I'm just going to transition full-time into talking about NFL draft stuff. Yep, lots to talk about in this offseason with the draft for sure. Uh, hopefully we get some of that uh, those offseason draft opportunities when it comes to the Senior Bowl and the Combine and all that stuff, but interesting stuff to cover, cover there for sure that I think we're both looking forward to. Uh, for me, you can follow me on Twitter at AJFreeman25. You can find my work there. You can also find some of my work on the Barrett Report YouTube channel to check out some of the stuff I've done there. Uh, make sure to give that, uh, check that out if you have the time. Uh, I want to thank, give a big shout out and thanks to all of our listeners once again for tuning in to uh, Picks for Pace on all platforms. Uh, we look forward to another episode next week, but until then, we have another Bears football game to uh, sit through, so hopefully it's not as painful this upcoming week against the Lions, but uh, we'll see how that goes. Have a great weekend, everybody. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com